from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Go, Knights, go. Just, it, was, it was just a little word from the Lord I got this morning that I wanted to share with you. Hey, so uh, every morning I take our little dog, that's our, he might, I don't know if he looks big there, but he's a little, little dog, uh, for a walk, but for me, it's my prayer time. Uh, I do not focus well at all if I am stationary. I think much better and, and everything if I'm walking. That is one of the blessings of having ADD. And so, um, so every day I take him for a 20, 30-minute walk, and I use that for my, my prayer time. Um, so this one day a couple weeks ago, we're walking along in our neighborhood, and all of a sudden this big, intimidating dog, a Belgian Malinois, Mal- I don't know how to say it, like, look like that, uh, comes running at us, and there's nobody around. And so he's like running at me and our little dog, and so I look around, and I'm looking for something, and so I just yelled, whose dog is this? Nobody answers. There's no human in sight. The dog gets to our dog, and he's like sniffing him, but he keeps putting his mouth on our dog's throat, and so our dog is intimidated. So he's trying to get behind me, and so I'm like, whose dog is this? Whose dog is this? And nobody's coming. And so then this guy, kind of an older guy, comes like running down the street, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And uh, he comes up and he says, don't, don't, don't worry. He's friendly. And, I was, and I'm like, well, your dog has his friendly mouth on my dog's throat. Get him off. And so this guy starts, he's like, sit, stop, lay down, go, sit, sit, stop. And doing nothing. The dog's still like, going after my dog. They're circling me. Uh, my dog's like crying. And so he's like, I'm so sorry. And so I pick up my dog, and the dog's like jumping on me trying to get my dog. And I'm like, dude. And so he runs away. And I'm like, I wonder where he went. And um, he comes driving up in his car, and he rolls down the window, and he's like, hey, hey, we're supposed to go on a, on a ride. Remember, you're supposed to be in the car. Why aren't you in the car? Get in the car, buddy. Come on, get in the car. And, uh, and he's like, don't worry. And I'm like, I'm going to kick your dog in the face. Like, come on. And so finally he gets a dog in the car, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah, fine. Bye-bye. Like, take your dog. Question. Was my anger justified? Was it the best response? Was it helpful? Um, What's really ironic is I got so mad during my prayer time. It took me a while. I didn't even think about it until a couple of days later. I was thinking about how mad I was, and I was like, oh, I was in the middle of my my time with the Lord. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I went off the deep end because of a guy's loose dog. So we're doing a series on anger. I've been thinking about it, and I, when I wrote that line, speaking of, you know, I wrote, thought, like, you know, I went off the deep end. I thought, oh, man, there are a lot of euphemisms for getting angry. You can go off the deep end, right? You can blow up. You can blow your top. You can blow a gasket, or you can blow a fuse. You can fly into a rage, or you can fly off the handle. 
You can lose it. You can lose your head. You can lose your cool. You can get hot under the collar. You can see red, which may happen if you're foaming at the mouth. You can go ballistic. You can go off the deep end. You can go up a wall. You can throw a fit. You can flip your lid or you can wig out, whatever you choose to call it. Here's a question. Um, Didn't Jesus do it? Didn't Jesus get angry? And, and like, uh, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we want to be more and more like Jesus. And so if Jesus got angry, can't we get angry? So last week we started this brand new series called No Offense, spending a few weeks uh, in our age of outrage talking about our anger. Uh, My favorite part of last week was when I publicly humiliated people who think that aren't all bagels just the same? You had to be here if you weren't here, but that was like one of the most awesome moments in Verve history. I loved it. So what we're wondering is, um, those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, maybe, maybe we just shouldn't get angry. Maybe we should live unoffendable lives. Uh, We looked at some verses in the Bible uh, where God sure seems to be telling us exactly that. A couple we looked at last week, James chapter 1, verse 20, uh, where God tells us anger does not produce the righteousness, the right life, the the godliness that God desires. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says, get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Uh, Proverbs 12, 16 says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent, wise people overlook an insult. Man, it sure seems like God is uh, calling us to live above anger and become unoffendable. But there's a problem. It's our dirty little secret. You ready? You don't have to, you don't have to just nod your head like you agree. You can, we can pretend you don't. Um, we kind of like getting angry. Like, we, we think we don't, but it's like, it actually, there's some things about it that kind of feel good. But like, when you get angry, there's an adrenaline rush. Adrenaline feels good. Um, when you get angry, it makes you feel like you're in control of a situation that probably you're not in control of. Control feels good. Um, when you get angry at someone, it makes you feel like you're better than them, and it feels good to be better than someone else. We, we kind of like being angry. But last week, I asked you the question, is your anger working for you? Is your anger working for you? Like, is it making your life better? Uh, Is it making you fun to be around? Is it strengthening your friendships, uh, improving your marriage, helping your parenting, um, drawing other people to Jesus? Like, do you sometimes have people who say to you, I just, you're so angry, and I just, I wish I had more of that in my life. And like, is it Jesus? Is that why, is that why you're angry a lot? Because maybe I need Jesus too. And and so I made this invitation last week. I I said, what if, what if you ask God, what if I ask God to help, to help you overcome your anger and become unoffendable? And I'm honestly, I'm not sure uh, how you personally responded to that invitation, but here's what I know. I know that there are a lot of Christians, maybe not in this room, maybe, um, who maybe enjoy their anger, don't want to give it up. Or um, there are a lot of Christians who actually think that they are, as Christians, supposed to be angry. 
Uh, maybe you, you've heard this. Um, they, they would say something like this. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait. What about righteous anger? Like, like I've heard about that in church. That's the good kind of anger. Yeah, righteous anger. That, that's the good kind. We can do that. I mean, didn't Jesus get angry? And if he got angry, doesn't that mean that we can too? Jesus was angry. We can be angry. And uh, when a person says this, they always, always, always point to one example of Jesus' anger in the Bible. Uh, the time when Jesus went into the temple and he cleared the temple and he flipped not a water bottle, but some tables. Uh, and so we're going to look at that story today and uh, we're going to see what, it, what was it all about. Okay, what can we learn from it? So some context. Uh, this happened uh, just a few days before Jesus crucified, and it was just before it was entering into uh, the Passover. Passover was a uh, Jewish religious holiday where basically every Jewish person who possibly could would travel to the city of Jerusalem, go to the temple, and they would go to worship God by offering a sacrifice, which is how they did it back then, in worship to God. Um, there's a, a Jewish historian named Josephus. He tells us that the normal population in Jerusalem at that time was about 40,000. But during the Passover, it would swell to like 250,000. So like over 200,000 people are coming from all over to go to the temple to worship God by offering a sacrifice. Okay? So... Um, the story is actually in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the four uh, books of the Bible that are kind of like biographies of Jesus' life here on earth. Uh, in Mark's account, we read of when Jesus first arrives in Jerusalem for the Passover week um, and when he first enters the temple courts. Mark 11, 11 says, Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late... He went out to Bethany with the twelve. Uh, then the next verse says, Then the next day, Jesus returns to Jerusalem, uh, goes back to the temple, and here's how Matthew explains what happens. I'm starting in verse 12 of Matthew 21. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So uh, there it is, right? Jesus was angry, so doesn't that mean that Jesus' followers can be angry? Maybe. Uh, we'll try to answer that question by looking more closely at Jesus' anger in that moment. But let's just first acknowledge that this uh, is an unusual story in that Jesus was not characterized by anger, okay? Like Matthew does not write, this was actually the fourth time that Jesus cleared the temple. And by the way, you should have seen what he did to the Pharisee who mouthed off to him. Man, that was something. And don't even get me started about how enraged Jesus was at the oppressive, ungodly Roman government. He was always exploding about that. And he led the, the attack on the... 
and, and, and there was that one time where uh, Jesus went through the drive-thru and they got his order wrong. And so he went back and he flipped the tables of that whole Capernaum fried chickpeas. I'm going to give you a second. If you know the Bible, that was really good. If you don't know it, that's cool. But that was Capernaum fried chickpeas. That's pretty good. All right. No, Jesus was not known for anger. He was known for love. Like, like people do not say, Jesus was one angry dude. Like, righteous anger, sure. But there are lots of anger. No, no. When Jesus comes to mind, you, you think of how loving he was, right? How he loved the outcasts, how he loved people who were caught in sin, how he loved uh, the lepers, and he loved, um, he loved the soldiers of the, ro the oppressive Roman government. Um, he loved the doubters. He loved his enemies. He loved the disciple who denied him. He even forgave the, the people who crucified him while they were crucifying him. So yes, okay, we do see Jesus angry in this story we're going to look at, but this is not a typical story, right? Uh, okay? Okay? Okay, okay. Um, okay, so let's learn, uh, let's find three, what I think are very important insights about Jesus' anger from this story, and it will help us to know if it's okay, when it's okay for us to be angry, okay? First, uh, Jesus was not angry at what was done to him. He was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated, right? In the story, Jesus was not angry at what was done to him. He was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. You guys want to play a game? It's really easy. It's kind of quick, super easy. It's a game called, and listen to the name. The name of the game is The Answer is Always Yes. Okay? Um, so you ready to play? Everybody, everybody get the game? Okay? So here we go. Um, and you, if you don't know the Bible, you may be like, I don't know the answers. Um, but, but the answer is always yes. So um, do you think that Jesus was ever criticized? Mm, you're, you're good at this. Um, do you think Jesus ever had people who vehemently disagreed with him? Yes. yes. Uh, do you think Jesus was ever judged unfairly? Yes. Um, do you think Jesus was ever lied about? Do you think uh, that Jesus ever had people who hated him with no good reason? If you, if you know the Bible, if you know the stories, the answer is yes, absolutely, for sure, yes. Now let's play a little game. And the game, uh, this game is called The Answer is No. Okay? Um, did Jesus ever get angry at any of those personal offenses? No. Yeah. If you, if you read through the stories, not one single time. He got angry when others were mistreated, but not when someone mistreated him. Man, his, his heart, he is so full of compassion, his heart broke when other people were hurt. And there are a few times, there's a couple, like this one we're looking at today, where we see that heartbreak turn into a righteous anger. So can I ask, um, what's the last few things you got angry about? What are the last few things you got angry about? It might be wise as we do this series to do an anger audit. You know, to, to, to assess your anger by answering questions like, um, what tends to get my blood boiling? Uh, what grudges am I carrying? In what situations do I get easily agitated? 
Um, what person or group of people do I find myself easily critical of? Uh, what I think we'll find if we do an anger audit is that we tend to get angry for ourselves, right? When, when people insult us or hurt us or lie about us. But look what Jesus said in Matthew 5.11. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. So bless, the, the word in the original language that the New Testament was written in is makarios, and makarios, it pretty much means happy, happy. So, so Jesus says, um, when people insult you, and when they hurt you, and when they lie about you, that should make you happy, not angry. Uh, he continues, next sentence, he says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And he's saying, hey, you can be happy even when you're mistreated because you know that this is not your home and that anything you go through here in this life is temporary. When someone does something wrong to you, uh, yes, it's natural. It is totally natural to get upset. But the good news is that we are not bound to our human nature because we belong, th those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we belong to a supernatural God who, if we invite him, literally moves inside of us to empower us to live a life beyond ordinary. So, so you might be wondering, oh, okay, but, but what about the person who wronged me? What about that person? What do I do about that person? Uh, Jesus said a couple sentences later, he answered that. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what you do with that person who insulted you, who lied about you, hurt you. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And he taught over and over, there's a bunch of times where he taught that we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. You forgive that person because God forgave you. Trust me, I get it. Um, when someone criticizes me or lies about me, I have the same uh, natural mechanism that kicks in. I want to kick them, <laughs> like, just like you do, right? We all do. But as someone who has been forgiven so much, in that moment, I can choose to forgive. Um, we've studied together uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Um, it says that God chose not to retaliate against my sin. Instead, he chose to love me when I was at my very worst and had made myself his enemy. And so it may not be easy in that moment, but with God's help, I choose not to retaliate and instead to love this person even when they're doing their worst to me. All right, so, so let's go back to the story. Um, so you remember, who did Jesus get angry with? Money changers, right? Who did he get angry for? Well, the, the people who the money changers were mistreating. So, so who were these money changers? What's going on here? Um, well, they were people who exchanged foreign currency. 
Maybe you've been in another country and there's a places where you trade in your dollars for $400. And so what happens is you got these 210,000 or so people who are coming to worship and they would go to the temple and they need to buy a sacrifice to offer to God. And so these money changers know we've got them over the proverbial barrel, right? Because they've traveled a long way. There's nothing they can do now that they're here. And so they would just cha- charge them crazy, exorbitant money exchange rates. And uh, so the, the travelers, though, they, they needed their money exchange, and so these money changers would, would just totally gouge these would-be worshipers, and it made Jesus mad. And, and he was angry not over what someone did to him, right? It wasn't over what someone said about him. He was angry at an injustice perpetrated against these mistreated people. And, and so if we want to follow Jesus' example, if we want to say, hey, Jesus is angry, I can be angry, well, well then that's what our anger should look like. Not at something someone does to us, but not, not at something that affects us, but at an injustice done to someone else. Second thing we learn in this story is that when Jesus gets angry, he flips tables, not people. He flips tables, not people. Uh, there's a pastor named Albert Tate, and he points out Jesus didn't flip people, he flipped tables. He explains that the table represented the system of injustice, hypocrisy, and mistreatment which held down the hurting. And Jesus was angered about this systematic practice of injustice, so he flipped the table that represented the system. Right? In fact, when he flipped those tables, it actually, at least temporarily, stopped the injustice from happening. He flipped tables not people. That's how Jesus got angry. But when we get angry, it it tends to be at people, right? Not at injustice. But like, I wonder what you get angry at. Like, like who do you get angry at? Maybe it's when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Uh, or maybe it's when somebody talks in their speakerphone at the grocery store. Why do you have to use your speakerphone at the grocery store? Or maybe you get angry at the Republicans, or you get angry at the Democrats, or you get angry at those rich people, or you get angry at those people who could work but are collecting unemployment, or you get angry at your neighbor or at your neighbor's yappy dog, or at NFL players who kneel during the national anthem, or at people who protest the NFL because of the players who are kneeling during the national anthem. So can I tell you something about all those people who infuriate you? Every single one of them was made by God in the image of God. And every one of them is loved by God and was died for by Jesus. And what that means is every single one of them deserves your honor and your respect. The guy with the loose dog who, I'm so sorry. I should have treated him with honor and respect. I've, uh, I've got two kids, and if someone mistreats one of them, uh, I will take it personally. Right? Why? Because they're my kids, and I love my kids. And I'm pretty sure that's how God feels when we get angry at one of his kids. And to be clear, everyone is one of his kids. And so we should stop flipping people, or flipping off people if you've got an itchy middle finger, (laughs) 
because Jesus didn't flip people, he flipped tables, right? He was angry about a system of injustice that held God's children down. Now, it is true that there are injustices in the world that we should get angry about. We should get angry about things that, where there's injustice uh, because that righteous indignation that we have uh, can lead us to solve problems that break God's heart. But I would just caution you to be careful. Like when, when you feel angry about what you perceive as an injustice in the world, just make sure you're right. Like maybe spend some time reading God's word to see what exactly does God say about this thing that makes me angry. Because it's easy to feel like, well, well that makes me angry and, and I must be right. And so I guess this is what righteous anger feels like. I'm, I'm doing it. Like I'm righteously angry. But just because you feel angry doesn't necessarily mean you're right. And remember, even more important, we're not called to be right. We're called to be loving. We talked about that last week. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not called to be right. You're called to be loving. So even if you are right, if you go about being right in an unloving way, you're wrong. Our goal is to be loving. But are there times when, like Jesus, we can be righteously angry? Maybe uh, when we're angry on behalf of others, not ourselves, when we flip tables, not people. And third, one more insight about Jesus' anger. Third, Jesus' anger led him to love and heal those who were hurting. Jesus' anger led him to love and heal those who were hurting. So what was happening in the temple? Um, these money changers and the people selling sacrifices were overcharging people. And so there were people who just didn't have the resources. And so they literally came and traveled to worship God and were not able to worship God because of these people who were charging all this money. Well, who, who were those people who lacked resources who weren't able to worship? The poor, right? Uh, the, the marginalized the blind, the lame, the sick. And do you remember what happened immediately after Jesus cleared the temple? It was the last sentence in the story. Um, Matthew 21, 14. It says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. See, Jesus' anger didn't just create a, a, a table-flipping moment. It also created a people loving moment, right? Jesus could have simply gotten angry at the, 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 the you know, perpetrators of this so oppressive system of injustice, but that alone, if he had just flipped the tables, would not have been righteous anger. Jesus took another step. It's an all-important step by caring for the victims of the oppressive system of injustice. In fact, I think this is true. I think if you look at every time where we see some hint of Jesus being angry in the Gospels, um, we see that I think every single time it led him to help or heal someone. Is that you? Like, like think about the times when you get angry. When you get angry, does it lead you to love? Because that's what it looks like to do anger like Jesus. And if that's not how you do anger, then your anger, my anger, probably self-righteous, not righteous. 
But if you're like me, you, you, you're tempted uh, to justify your anger, right? That, that's what I do. I'll, I'll be like, well, wait, but he wronged me, which means he's wrong, and it means I'm right. And, and then I might justify my anger by saying that it's, it's righteous anger. And, and so let's think about this for one minute, about this idea of righteous anger. Is there any other destructive force because I think we'd all agree that anger is a destructive force. Is there any other destructive force that we might call righteous? Like, would we do that with any other destructive force? How about this? Would we call any other sin righteous? So remember, we, we saw this verse earlier, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. It said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Can, can you imagine us talking about um, righteous bitterness or righteous brawling? Yeah, I got in a big fight last night, but it was righteous brawling, so it's, it's good. Or, or what about righteous slander? Right? We wouldn't say, how about this uh, righteous greed or righteous lust? Yes, I was lusting, but it was the godly kind. So, so right? <laughs> No, right? So, 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 why, so why do we call anger righteous? So, so there's this guy, Brant Hansen. We talked about him last week. He wrote a book called Unoffendable. Great book. We shared it a little bit last week. Um, he makes the case that there is, I don't, I don't know if he's right. He makes the case biblically that there is no such thing as righteous anger for humans. For humans. For God, sure, uh, Jesus was God come to earth living in human flesh for Jesus, sure. But he, he says, man, we humans, we're just never in a good place to judge other people. And so our anger is rarely, if ever, actually righteous. And, and so maybe, um, he says, maybe we just need to give up on this idea of righteous anger altogether. Um, and it's interesting, this verse we looked at last week, and I think I read earlier, um, James 1, 19 and 20, says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, so to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man, that verse sure seems to be saying that our anger, that human anger, is not righteous. Here's what else is interesting about our righteous anger. Um, so Christians say, you know, we can get righteous, we can get righteously angry. It's okay to have righteous anger at sin. But why is it always other people's sin? <laughs> why, why, why do we never get righteously angry at our own sin? It's always somebody else's sin, right? Maybe, maybe, I think maybe that God is inviting us to just give up on the idea of righteous anger and that, to admit, man, far too often if I get angry, my, my anger is self-righteous anger. So I, I was working on this, and I thought, I, I think it would be helpful if there was like a chart and, and it compared like righteous anger and self-righteous anger so we can see the difference in which one of me and there is no chart so i made one i am a chart maker um I, I didn't know i didn't know that i don't know if you know that but i'm now a chart maker you guys ready to see my chart i think it's pretty good i think it's pretty good thank you for clapping um so here's my chart uh self-righteous anger and then over here we're going to put righteous anger and just this is my this is my best definitions ready self-righteous anger is a gut reaction, right? Something happens and I get mad, right? Like just instinct, right? Righteous anger is a prayerful response. Remember, um, Jesus went to the temple. Everybody was selling the stuff. And what did he do? He went with the 12 to Bethany, right? And then he came back the next day 
and he flipped the table. This was not him going, like, look at this. No, he went home. I'm going to guess he prayed, and he came back and very strategically said, this is the right thing to do in this situation, right? Uh, Self-righteous anger focuses on something bad that is happening. I'm mad because of that. Righteous anger more, very much more often focuses on something good that isn't happening but needs to. Uh, Self-righteous anger judges the speck in someone else's eye. Righteous anger acknowledges that I have a plank in my own eye. I don't know I can judge you. Self-righteous anger is angry on the behalf of myself. Righteous anger is anger on behalf of others. Uh, Self-righteous, I get angry at people. Righteous anger, I'm angry at an injustice. Self-righteous anger attacks someone. Righteous anger mostly defends someone. That's what Jesus was doing. Self-righteous anger is toxic and diminishes life. Righteous anger is restorative and promotes life. Self-righteous anger stays within healthy boundaries. Righteous anger breaks out of healthy boundaries. Self-righteous anger leads to bitterness. Righteous anger, we saw Jesus, leads to love. Is there any more? Oh, there's another one. Um, Self-righteous anger leaves God out. Righteous anger seeks to honor God. If we're going to be angry, man, let's make sure that we're angry like Jesus. I, I, I think if we're being honest, most of the time when we're angry, it's not like Jesus. Instead, we get angry because someone offends us, right? And we feel like we have, we have the right to be angry because, hey, hey, right? And, but, but, but that is not righteous anger. That is self-righteous anger. So I, I've been thinking a, a lot about this story um, where Jesus finds these money changers. I've been trying to imagine it. I put myself there and, he, you know, these people are ripping off these impoverished people who just wanted to worship God. And I, I was trying to imagine, well, what if the same thing happened today? What if it happened today? And it would be a big story, right? It would trend on Twitter. It would have a hashtag, right? Like, like there was some kind of like trending hashtag about it. And, and then what would happen? You know exactly what would happen. We would cancel the money changers, right? We would, we would cancel them. Why? Because we love God, and so we cancel people who sin. That's what we do today. Um, we, we actually talked about this a couple of months ago that um, in our cancel culture, every time a person does something wrong, and it may be something like, wow, it's horrible. But, but even if it's just one mistake, they've led a pretty good life, and then they blow it one time. Or it's a 20-year-old mistake. You know, this person's living a different life now, but they said something stupid when they were a teenager on social media. What do we do? We cancel them. We cancel them. But think about Jesus. Um, here is a, a very short list of some of the people who wronged Jesus or lied about Jesus or abandoned or betrayed or misjudged Jesus. Uh, there was King Herod. There was um, the people in his hometown um, that he, who he grew up with. Uh, there were the, the Pharisees. Uh, you may not know all these stories. The rich young ruler, um, Pontius Pilate. There was Judas. There's Peter, and Jesus didn't cancel any of them. He didn't cancel any of them. They were wrong. They wronged him. But with Jesus, just because you're wrong doesn't mean you get canceled. And I am so thankful for that because I should add another person to the list of people who have wronged Jesus. Me. 
Right? I, have, I have lied. I have abandoned Jesus. I have betrayed Jesus. I've hurt people. And I'm so grateful that God didn't cancel me. That he chose to forgive me and continue to forgive me. God has every right in the world to, to be angry at me, to stay angry at me. But what he chose, Jesus chose to go to the cross and take all of God's anger at my sin on my behalf. And I am so thankful that, um, so thankful for a God who cancels my sin, but doesn't cancel me. And aren't you glad? Like, aren't you grateful for that? And if we have a God uh, who turns from his anger towards us and chooses to love us instead, how can we not do that for other people? Let's pray for that, and then we just got a closing announcement or two for you, and we'll send you out. Okay, I just felt like this was a, an appropriate series to, to, to do for a few weeks because we live in an age of outrage. Um, man, we, we see it uh, on the highways. We see it on social media. We see it probably at work, maybe in our homes. People are angry. And in this, uh, in this age of outrage, you call us to live above anger and to become unoffendable. And you don't just put it on us. You invite us to invite you into our lives. You move inside of us and you empower us to live this way. And so I think the biggest thing is just for us to choose, to, to no longer be accepting of our anger but instead to choose with your help to get rid of all of our anger and malice and brawling and all that. God, would you help us to say yes to your invitation? And thank you for Jesus who took your anger on our behalf. We want to follow him. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.